now listening to the best podcast in the world, The Awakened Soul, hosted by my dad. It's like I got the whole four cop on the block, in a two do drop. I'm my spot, it's tipping behind. The pussy ass cop, also murder in the lot. My nigga got popped with a bullet that was meant for me. You add out my T's and B's in the region C. Fuck what the reason be, I'ma start squeezing these. Them niggas ain't T's, they wanna be thugs, and it ain't shit. This ain't these motherfuckers. Fresh off the heels of the anniversary episode, it is your boy CEO Hayes returning for a regular episode of The Awakened Soul. This is episode 61, the 65th overall episode of The Awakened Soul. Counting special episodes, I know it can get confusing, but nonetheless, I'm happy you guys came back. I am still on the high of the one year anniversary show. Um, it was just it, it was a super reflective moment. I think I've been in that mind space since I uh, I pushed upload on it. It's just like hearing all the clips and everything. It was just really humbling and all the love. But nonetheless, this is The Awakened Soul. This is episode 61. We're going to be talking about Sorry to Bother You. We also have the return of the unpopular opinion from Shanice, the petty news from Scoop Grady. We have an abbreviated In the Minor Haze just because... You know, not really that much going on um, that I'm burning on this week. But nonetheless, we still got it. We still have the stupid idiot of the week. The stupid idiot of the week this week is a doozy, by the way, a complete and utter doozy. Um, So I'm excited to bring you guys that we're going to get back into the music on the other side of that. It will be into my dark, crazy and twisted mind. I'll see you guys there. The newly appointed King Hayes is in the building, and I can officially call myself that since uh, Dan on Drugs and my good friend Andrew Bello have officially crowned me the king. So I I will go ahead and be taking that crown uh, very, very seriously. (laughs) But nonetheless, uh, I'm I'm happy to be back. I know guys have been hearing a lot from me over the past, I think over the past like eight days, I've dropped four episodes, including this one. So yeah, we're going to be slowing down. I said I had said for a while that after the anniversary, I was going to take like a two week break between the live show and then the one year anniversary falling shortly after that. I did plan to take a break, Um, but we all know me. Podcasting is in my blood. I don't know if I can take a, a, a complete break. So, uh, yeah, you, you guys are still beginning your episodes. Uh, yeah, Justice, you were right. That's all I can say. Um, but we are in the mind of Hayes, and I don't have very much to give you this week out the mind of Hayes. Um, the LeBron James and Donald Trump comments were something was something that I was definitely planning on commenting on, but you'll actually get that 
in the segment and sorry to bother you, we kind of spun into a conversation about that there. That was one of the things that were that was burning in my mind the most. So that that kind of came out there. So that really didn't leave much. But what I do have for you in the mind of Hayes is the Dak Prescott uh, comments that are going on with his, with his anti-protest comments. There's actually now been a mural that depicts him being in the second place uh, that popped up. Uh, yeah, this is just. Listen, when he came out and um, made the comments that he did, we all knew that we all knew that there was going to be some backlash from the, the just people, you know, uh, the fake woke people, all that stuff. Um, but let's let's not just categorize it. A lot of people are, but we're not going to categorize it. It's just the fake woke people. Um, when he questioned the point of the of the protest and what the point of them existing were it it, it kind of was it did come off as kind of a punch in the stomach um for those that understood or that have spent so much time speaking to why these protests do mean something and why uh the nfl bonded together like they did um and i think a lot of times that you know it's it's kind of morphed now people are making it about colin kaepernick you know, being employed and not being employed by the NFL and all that stuff. But the, at the end of the day, the protest itself, the kneeling meant more than that. It, it, it was about the black men losing their lives. And we've, we've done episodes on it. So I'm trying to stay on topic here. I don't want to break down and go all into re-explaining that because the listeners of the awakening. So I trust you guys to know I, you guys have, we've had those conversations together as family people have informed me more of their opinions you guys saw when i got into the twitter war with with someone who talked about how it was ruining their enjoyment of nfl game even though kneeling has not once ever stopped a game nonetheless i'm I'm trying to steer away from getting into that conversation it's just it's just it's hard not to get into it when um when it, when stuff like this pops up, we naturally we start talking about the protests all over again. But we're going to focus on this mural that was painted uh, about Dak, Dak Prescott. Um, it was an artist named Trey Wilder um, in the Dallas area who painted the image last week um, after Prescott had been named the donkey of the week on the Breakfast Club. And, you know, all in all, like I I love expressions of art I even more when art. Um, you, it, gra- graffiti is in our culture. It, it's part of hip hop culture. Like for for people who want to categorize it as vandalism, like every it's it's part of our culture. And so when it's used to depict something um, as serious as this, like yes, he put a, he put his own spin on it. Um, he had some fun with it, but I think that it, that more so just talks about how much Prescott's comments affected people. Um, for anyone who has not seen the mural. Um, I, I would say definitely go and check it out. Let me know what you think about it. I, I re- like I said, I really didn't have a lot out, out the mind of Hayes. This was just something that I saw earlier today that, um, as you can tell by just me, this and how I had to fight going into a whole rant about the protest. Like it, it, it meant something and, you know, hats off to the young man, Trey Wilder, who, uh, depicted it the way that he did and, and went about it the way that he did. I have no issue with it. Um, more importantly though, I, I do think that eventually, I will get a segment together talking about um, how, you know, not LeBron make mention how Trump is using sports to divide us. And like I said, I get into a conversation that and sorry to bother you review. So I'm not going to break that all down here. But eventually I do want to talk about how 
I, I have done it on celebrities and how we should not let celebrities opinions or views dictate what we do ourselves or we shouldn't wait for a celebrity to say something for us to stand up or feel like it's our time. And that does extend to our sports athletes as well. But more importantly, you know, for a long time, um, sports athletes were, you know, they were under contract and, you know, people have said that it was very much like slavery back in the day. Uh, it, it, it's I'm not going to get into that conversation, but we do. It's always good when people use their voice. What I say when I say we shouldn't, our our moral compass shouldn't be judged by the celebrities that people look up to. But we do want people who are who have a platform to use it to voice their opinions. Now, with that being said, I think that we need to understand also that if we want our icons, if we're going to call it that, or people who have that platform to speak out and use their voices, we can't dictate how what their voices say then you have to be prepared for the other side of the coin if we want them to use their voice to spread things that we agree with we have to be prepared for them for some of those people to also use that platform to to say things that we are aren't going to agree with that they're going to be against uh what the public opinion is or what our opinion is what we think that people should have be prepared for that we shouldn't automatically vilify people because they have different differences of opinion that platform can go either way and i think that a lot of people aren't prepared for that you guys look up to to these celebrities look up to these uh athletes look up to whoever and you want to hear them say what you want them to what you want to hear from them you you gotta be prepared for the for the flip side of it and as i said we'll say later on uh, LeBron for, is one of the most vocal athletes. As, as much as I have my issues with him on the court, I take nothing away from the man and what he's able to do with his voice and what he was able to do with building the school. Um, you and, and that and that's the thing. Like, and uh, my my brothers at Oversatcher they they mentioned how Jalen Rose has had his own school and has a great um, graduation rate and everything there, and people haven't noticed that. And yes, that that's a travesty. I completely agree with it. Um, but at the same time, when you have the bigger platform, you're going to get more publicity. And by LeBron being the biggest athlete probably in the world right now um, on that stage, only with a couple of others, he's using that in a way that my icon in basketball, Michael Jordan, never did. He didn't. Um and that's always been one of the knocks on Michael Jordan. Now, he's come out since then. I know I'm getting off the deck, the deck. Prescott thing. So maybe I do have more in the mind of Hayes than I thought I did. Um, but Michael Jordan's come out and said that he supports LeBron and his comments on Trump. Um, and I think he, he understands why he's gotten some of the black backlash he has on not speaking out more about certain issues. But let's, let's take a set, a second to sit back and just, we want the conversation to be for, we want people to feel more comfortable with speaking their truth. And you guys have to be prepared for the, some people's truth to be opposed to what your truth or your opinion is. Um, but let's embrace it all and let's have that conversation. That's where the dialogue gets started. You know, you know what I do here. I invite people all the time that don't agree with me. That's where the conversation, that's where the movement can get started when you can have those, that open dialogue with people who don't agree with you. Now, Prescott's comments, of course, I don't agree with him, but he did have the platform to share. Them. Um, and you can always learn, like you, you don't have to agree with somebody to learn something from it. And I keep saying that I, I use that all the time with people who disagree with Bello, like Prescott making those comments could inform someone else on, okay, 
this guy, I feel like he's uninformed. Now this gives me another tool to be able to speak from because now I see, hey, maybe there are people who feel like they don't understand. They feel like it's unnecessary. Now I can try to show them why it's necessary. Now I can have that as a conversation piece. That's all I'm saying. This has been the mind haze. You know, I, I I rant in this all the time. I apologize if I got a little little. Too, no, no, I don't apologize. It's it's my podcast. I'm going to do that sometimes. Nonetheless, we are going to get into the unpopular opinion from my sister Shanice. I will see you guys on the other side of that. Peace. So I'm about to go on a bit of a tangent because I'm pissed by what I'm about to bring up. So I don't know if you've been paying attention to social media, but there's this new thing where single mothers are asking the dudes that they talking to for $20 or such and basically saying like if he don't give you $20, if you ask for $20 and he don't give it to you, then he's a bum ass nigga. You don't need to sleep with him. What in all hell is wrong with these women who are saying dumb shit like this? Even the men who are saying dumb shit like this. There's a lot wrong with this. Number one, you are a single mother, right? Your kids, you take care of them, right? If the fathers are not in their life, that's unfortunate. That is your responsibility to take care of your children. Number two, to call the guy that she's talking to, again, not the father of said children she has, to call him a bum ass and she shouldn't sleep with him because he won't give her $20. We're just going to disregard the fact that she couldn't ask the fucking father or fathers of her fucking children, the ones that she actually reproduced and created life with. They're not bum ass niggas, but this guy is. Number three, women and men. Please, please, please stop seeing dating or courtship as some sort of financial plan or some financial gain. As a woman, whether I be single in a relationship, engaged or married, it is not my biggest priority to make sure the person I choose to be in a relationship with financially supports me because that's not the point of getting into a relationship, in my opinion. If you want to get into a partnership, then make that shit known before you start talking to somebody. If you're there for financial support, financial gain, or for someone to take care of you, let that be known in the beginning. But don't try to do these little tests, these little failures, this little put your toe in the water of, oh, if I ask him for money, I'm going to see if he, if he's real about it. If I, if he deserves to, if, if he deserves for me to sleep with him, like number, like, I don't even know what number I'm on right now, but we're just going to go on to number four. To say that um, this man doesn't deserve your sexual activity, your vagina, because he won't give you money. You're, you're, you're demanding money and expecting it in order to basically unlock the key to your vagina. That doesn't make any sense. You're basically calling yourself a prostitute. Like the only way this man you're dating could be intimate with you sexually is if he gives you money when you ask. I don't know what the hell is happening to this world. I don't understand it. It's, fu- it's frustrating me. I just, I could, I just, I, 
I just, I have no words. I have no words. Listen, I'm tired of y'all pissing off my sister. I'm I'm tired of y'all doing it. Stop. Just do better, people. Do better. Why is it so hard for some of y'all to just not like, oh, whatever, man. It's social media age. It is what it is. Nonetheless, it's time to get into one of my favorite segments to do. That is the stupid idiot of the week. Let's get into the intro music. I'll see you guys on the other side of that with this week's stupid, stupid, stupid idiot. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. This week's stupid idiot is coming to you from the great state of New Jersey. Wait. I said great state and New Jersey. That doesn't. That New Jersey is the armpit of America. But nonetheless, the superintendent for Homedale High School in New Jersey um, was arrested under the suspicion of taking daily dumps on the track and football field. I'm going to let that just soak in for a minute. So the track coaches and staff would find human feces on the track and football field in the early morning hours. And they asked the school police officer for help after setting up surveillance cameras. The suspect was identified as the superintendent Thomas Tragmalini. It was <laughs> the superintendent who, after his Early morning jogs would take a dump on the track and football field. Yes. Yes. So he would take a dump on the school's field. What the hell are you doing back here? I ain't the smartest man in the world, but from over here, it look like you taking a shit. But here's an interesting twist um, in the story. So he is now suing the police station for ruining his reputation and he is suing for the grand sum of one million dollars again he is suing the school because he took a dump on the track and field track and football field and got discovered and because it ruined his reputation he is now suing for one million dollars sir for taking a dump on the school field the school's field you are definitely the stupid idiot and more importantly for then following that up and suing for one million dollars sir you disrespectful stupid idiot oh man this is this has got to be the greatest stupid idiot yet like i this this i i don't even know what to say people this is this is real this shit is the shit there you go. Um, but yeah, there goes your stupid idiot of the week. So for our stupid idiot of the week. I didn't call you idiots. I called you stupid idiots. All right, let's move on. We're going to get into the petty news from Scoop Grady himself. After that, it will be the Sorry to Bother You review. I'll see you guys there. 
Hello, I am Jerry Rubbers, and you're listening to Petty News once again. Howdy, howdy, and bowdy to the bowdy. So let's get right into the news, shall we? Glenn Jacobs has been elected to Knotts County Mayor in Tennessee. For those of you who don't know who Glenn Jacobs is, that is WWE star Kane, the big red monster, the big red machine, the monster himself. Now, I am going to say congratulations to Glenn Jacobs, but I hope as soon as he gets in office, he chokeslams somebody straight to hell. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Jacobs earned a degree in English literature at Northeast Missouri State University, also known as Truman State University, and played basketball and football. But I am a little concerned about Tennessee. Kane is the same person that buried his own brother and helped his dad put the casket on fire. So just let you know what Tennessee got in store for them. I wish y'all the best. To be quite honest, I think they should have all the debates in a Hell in a Cell match just for him. A little WWE humor for you guys. (laughs) Rapper of the game punches his own teammate today at the Drew League basketball game. Now, I don't understand why did he punch his own teammate. He must have really been talking some nonsense. But I will guarantee you this. This is the first hit that the game has had without mentioning 50 Cent or Dr. Dre. Oops. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> now, if you know the rapper of the game, you have seen him in multiple videos punching somebody, sucker punching, and sneak dissing. Now, the game, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. You need to stop. He must got an album coming out because it's the only time he's in the papers. Moving on. NBA star LeBron James opens his own elementary school called I Promise in Akron, Ohio. Now, where the hell was he at when I needed this? It is stated that LeBron James will give free tuition, free uniforms, bicycles, and helmet, and free transportation within two miles, and free breakfast and lunch and snacks. God damn it, I'm going to act like I'm a damn elementary kid and go, LeBron James, you are truly a winner for this one. Only because Stephen Curry's not in the way. Ooh, ooh, did I say it again? Uh, no, LeBron James, congratulations on opening up a new school. Congratulations on Jalen Rose also, who's opening the school also. Now, opening an adult school, because Jerry Rivers need a free education, because Sally Mae is riding the money behind NBA star Blake Griffin is ordered to pay $258,000 a month in child support. Good Lord. Talk about dunking on your ass. Blake Griffin is ordered to pay child support for his two young children with X. It was stated that Blake Griffin kicked her and her two kids out the house. I'm sorry, a mansion. He's fancy with it. And was reduced to being homeless. She only had $100 in her personal bank account. I know people only got $2 in their bank account, but that's a different story. The lady stated that Blake Griffin is rich enough that he can pay all the court costs, lawyer fees, and as well as child support. So they granted her all this money. What people are failing to realize is that this lady will be making more than NBA player Derrick Rose, Mono Ginobili, and Tony Parker put together. She'll be making well over a million dollars in two months. These hoes ain't loyal. And ladies and gentlemen, that is all we have for today with the petty news. I am Jerry Rubbers. Don't be fooled because we got the news. Turn my headphones up. I think I'm feeling it. Hey. I admit I am Jerry Rubbers. I admit I don't use a rubber. The baby's not mine, so girl, that's fine. I'ma find that dude and kill him. I admit that you lost the good one. I admit I am swagged out to list. But next time you see me, girl, please don't hate your black asses on Section 8. Oh. That was Jerry Rubbers, a.k.a. Scoop Grady with the Petty News. And after the anniversary show, he would throw in some WWE humor. But nonetheless, you know, I'm I'm not going to take that as shots. It's now time um, for the main event of this here podcast. That is the Sorry to Bother You review with myself and Miss Ayanna Jones from the I'm Just Saying podcast. We're going to play 
a little clip from the movie, and then after that, we're going to jump right into the review. That is intriguing. I'm just out here surviving, and what I'm doing right now won't even matter. Baby, baby, it will always matter. You said you fixed that. Get a room. I got a room, motherfucker. Hey, Cash, how much longer I got to wait for my money? God made this land for all of us. Greedy people like you want to hog it to yourself and your family. And Me and my family? Yeah. Cash, I'm your fucking uncle. I just really need a job. This is telemarketing. Stick to the script. Hello? Uh, this is Cash's Green. Sorry to bother you. I, I just wanted to make... You want to make some money here? Use your white voice. My white voice? Like this young blood. Hey, Mr. Kramer. This is Langston from Regal for you. Well, well, well. Look who found their way back into the Awakened Soul. We have the lovely Miss Ayana Jones from I'm Just Saying and Tea Time in the building. What's going on? Hello. Happy to be back. Um, really excited for this conversation. So let's get to it. I mean, yeah, yeah. We're here. So. We're here to discuss Sorry to Bother You, and it's a hard film to review um, like I would a normal film. So we're going to we're really not going to talk about the plot itself much because it's kind of hard to talk about the plot. Uh, it's it's easier to break down in themes. But before we get into that, um, just overall thoughts on the movie. I know you've seen it a couple of times. Uh, so the first time you saw it, what were your thoughts on it? And then how did that change after the second time you saw it? So the first time I saw it, um, I First of all, I knew from the trailer that I wanted to see it, but I also I got an inkling that this was a movie that like you couldn't take for face value. Like you can't just watch it expecting just a regular old plot. Everything is this very surface level. I knew it was going to be like a lot of deeper meanings. So I did watch it just keeping making sure to keep my eye on a certain on certain things. But when I left the first time, I was just kind of like, I, I think I missed something because it's 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 a trip. Like it's it's definitely super trippy. Um, the movie itself is is bizarre um, in a lot of the things that that happen. So I mean, the first time I enjoyed it, um, despite like there's like mixed reviews. Some people say it's great. Some people it's it just didn't click with them. But I think it's more of like a what the fuck did I just watch? So uh, that's that's how I left the first time. The second time I went, you know, trying to pay attention closer to other things that I, you know, I might have missed and other meanings. Um, and I think it's phenomenal. I think that uh, a lot of we'll get to the themes later, but like a, a, the, the way that it was presented, um, I think Boots Riley did an incredible, an incredible job. It was it was definitely a mind fuck. It, it, so I have I have one reviewer that I always like I have a lot of movie reviewers that I read their articles, but there's only one that I'll read before I go see a movie because he does a good mm-hmm. job at not spoiling it. Um, but but kind of let you know what to expect. And so in his review, all he his review is literally like four sentences. And <laughs> he was just like, you have to see it. Because there's no way I can explain this. And so I was like, okay, I have to see it. I already was very interested in the movie. Lakeith Stanfield, I think he's just an odd guy in general. Um, But he's odd in a way that I like. 
Like I like his his the way he acts. I think he's a really good actor. So I was already signed up to see the movie. But my first time seeing it, I walked out and I was much like you said, what the fuck did I just see? Um, I knew I liked it. I knew I didn't hate it, but I felt like I like I felt like I missed something. And then the second right. time seeing it, I, I picked up a lot more on the themes themselves and picked up on um kind of some of the uh the not as in your face messages that they were they were trying to get across, which there are a lot of messages in this movie. Um, and we'll talk about some of those. But let's get into the characters, man. We have to start off with Cassius Green first, um, a.k.a. Cash, Lakeith Stanfield's character. He <laughs> he's just such an odd guy. What did you think about yes. Cash? <laughs> I almost felt like Lakeith was playing himself. <laughs> like he was, he was very weird. Um, but also I think he, he had more of like an internal struggle. Like even in the beginning scene where he's talking about like the earth exploding and like, um, and like we're all going to die eventually. It's like, whoa, like that's, <laughs> that's intense. But like, um, I think he, he was just a, a regular guy trying to get a job, didn't have a job. Um, and he was trying to figure out what he was good at. And eventually he found it. But um, is it it was at the expense of, you know, his own morals and values. So I think it, it was a very deep character. Um, but anyone that just watches movies just to watch them and, and not really understand them, they would think that like that this 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 guy is stupid like he's it, it just seems like you know I, I think he had more to him and I think I the movie was definitely lacking a little bit of character development so yeah. um it, it's very hard to kind of read someone um and, and try to figure out what exactly it was but because I felt like there was something there but they didn't really develop it at all um but I, I thought it was interesting. I think he played it very well. But like I said, I think he was playing himself because I, I feel like I get that vibe from him even when I watch his interviews. Yeah, he's just a, like and he's he's and something I noticed just in him in general. He never stands all the way up like he's always hunched over like his posture is very weird. Like there was a time when him and uh, Stephen Young's character were standing like by the water cooler and you could just see like just how hunched over he was. And I'm just like, this is just. <laughs> This is just odd. And even like his speech patterns are just weird. Yeah. Um, but he he is a very conflicted character and trying to find what's his thing. And then when he right. gets this job, he feels like this is his thing and he holds on to it. Even when he can tell it's like a morally corrupt thing to do with some of the right. things that he's doing. Um, but, you know, we have to we talked about Cass. So we have to get into his better half, so to say, in Tessa Thompson, um, Detroit. And what I will say about Detroit, there is so many messages in, in Detroit's character in just her earrings and how they switch oh, from yeah. scene to scene. Um, much less like some of the other things she does with the graffiti and uh, being what was the name of that that group that they had like the mark under left eye? I can't remember. Um, but they they never outright say she's a member, but they just they do. They tell a lot of story with her that you have to be looking for because they this isn't a movie that that overly explains its plot and like it expects its audience mm -hmm. to be smart and pick up on a lot of things exactly. and Detroit, Detroit pictures that perfectly. What did you think about Detroit? Um, I thought she was pretty badass. Um, she is definitely like a, a rebel. She, she was, um, I don't know how to explain it, but like you could tell she was like the far leaning, um, uh, 
this I'm looking for a word. But um she she's really gung ho about, you know, certain things, um, values, her morals, like she's sticking to them and she's sticking into the man and <laughs> she doesn't care what anybody thinks about her and her her job swinging signs um, and her art. But at the same time, we did see a little bit of her code switching as well, um, you know, in her art and, and trying to sell her art. So uh while she does have these certain morals and values that she's, you know, very passionate about at the same time, there's always that one thing that's going to take you out of your own character that you kind of have to sell yourself to the other tribe. And, and it's definitely in her, her art. Absolutely. And we'll get into white. Like there's so much I want to talk about, but we'll, we'll get into white voice. Um, uh, the next character we're going to talk about, uh, Steven Yoon squeeze and something again, that comes out with squeeze's character is He's someone that kind of goes from job to job and, and creates unions and, and mm-hmm. him getting close to Detroit. They actually have a situation towards the end of the movie, but what, what do you think? He's not in the movie very much, but I do think that what he, his part in the movie is very powerful. What did you think about his character? Uh, he's definitely a potster. Um, I feel like he was just he was placed there to kind of create conflict, and that's exactly what he did. Um, I could see kind of from the beginning, you know, when him and in Detroit were interacting, um, that they they have a lot of the same personalities. Um, while she is more of the you know aggressive go for it type he he wants to do it in a more calculated way let's let's strike let's you know get people to to listen to us um in a peaceful way whereas um a lot of the people around him is kind of like ah let's uh, let's fight like let's <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's break things or whatever he's more of like let's let's go about it the proper way so all right um uh, the next character, Salvador, Cash's best friend, Jermaine Fowler, who I think is one of the funniest people in the world. Have you ever seen like him in anything else other than this movie? No, I have not. What else was he in? I'll, I'll send you some some stuff. He's he's a okay. he's a funny dude. No no main roles. Um, he had a television show called Superior Donuts on CBS for a while. Um, I think he's still on there. I'll send I'll send you a link. It's he's he's a funny dude. Mm-hmm. But but. His character, his his character really didn't do much in the movie, but he has an no. exchange with Cash in which they exchange kind words, but it's such <laughs> like it's such an underhanded way. I love that scene. What did you think about Salvador? Um, I thought Salvador was uh, hilarious. He definitely brought the laughs. Um, again, with the there wasn't much character development. Um, I think. Uh, he was just kind of the friend that was just going to go along with whatever we're doing. Like, um, and, and that's really just it. Like he didn't really have kind of a plan or like a, a pivotal um, moment, but uh, that's definitely like the friend you want around because he, he was, although he, you know, was just kind of going with the flow and doing what everyone else was doing. He wasn't afraid to, to check cash at the end of the day and be like, yo bro, like what you're doing is fucked up. Absolutely. Um, and the mystical black man in this movie, Danny Glover, who just randomly popped up out of nowhere, uh, introduces us to the white voice. He didn't, he was probably only in the movie, maybe a total of like eight minutes, but right. I, I love seeing Danny Glover. I love what, what he, his purpose in this movie was. Uh, what did you think about him in a, in a brief role? 
Um, I thought it was really good. Uh, I thought that um, I felt like there could have been more. Um, I think that there was actually a deeper meaning in his character, but I didn't catch it. I feel like I need to watch it a third time <laughs> to get it because I have heard like some talks about his, his character being um, something significant, but I just... I didn't grasp that, but I felt like, but I, what I did get from his character was like, you know, at every job you kind of have the, the older guy that's going to teach you um, the ins and outs and how to uh, do things a certain way to get by. But um, he doesn't necessarily progress through, uh, in the job. He's just kind of comfortable where he is. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last individual character, and I'm sure we'll talk about a few of the other ones that popped up, but, uh, Army Hammer's character and Steve Stephen Lift, who uh who owns the oh god I'm throwing a mind blank on the uh on the company um worry free worry free yes who owns the company worry free who cashes uh call job actually is like a subsidiary of we end up finding out but he is like this million dollar this billion dollar uh millennial who just does whatever the fuck he wants uh we <laughs> only really get to see him in like the setting of the party really in in that one scene. Uh, but what did you think about him? Um, I thought that his his character was definitely super important to the movie. Um, but he was definitely like the just. I think he was the epitome of excess. Like this is he he was supposed to embody like this is what we are working towards. This is what you're supposed to want at the end of the day: naked women, cocaine, big mansion, a million rooms. Like he he's basically embodied excess and wealth oh did the cocaine flow um (laughs) (laughs) but let's uh let's talk about some of the themes of the movie you ready to get into the themes yes yes all right so the first one and i don't really know how to categorize this as a theme but we have to talk about the use of the white voice and as i said earlier danny glover uh kind of gives cash uh the secret on how to be successful in, in being a telemarketer and selling things. And that is the white voice. Um, and the way he describes it is you don't want to sound white. You want to sound what white people think they sound like. And the way that they use this voice, especially with um, showing the characters pop into the settings of the of who they're calling is in. Like there's a couple that's in the middle of having sex. Like it's just. <laughs> All types of situations. What did you think about the use of the white voice in this movie? Um, well, the white voice is an, another word for code switching, which is something a lot of us do every day at our jobs. Um, you know, your your white voice is going to get you a refund on whatever um, you need. Your your white voice is going to get you ahead. Um, uh, it's basically just trying to make sure that you are portraying yourself as someone who is articulate and pretty much has doesn't have a worry in the world is pretty much how Danny Glover had um, described it, you know, that just serene and I, I, I don't need this, but I'm, I'm going to ask for it anyway. So um, I think that the white voice was super important to the movie. Um, you can see where certain people use it to their advantage and how that, that voice is basically what got cash uh, to rise to the top um, because he did it. He did it really well. So um, I, I think it, w- it was 
it was basically saying like if you use this white voice well enough and frequent enough then it's it's gonna get you pretty far which is an unfortunate reality of the nation today do you code switch at work oh yes i definitely do (laughs) (laughs) absolutely you know i tell corny jokes um I, you know, I, I definitely code switch. When the minute I pick up the phone, it is a different person. It is not the person you're hearing right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, and I, I think most people do, even though uh, I think it's something that everyone doesn't admit that they do. Um, mm-hmm. But code switching itself, like, is it? Do we see it as problematic, or is it just one of those things that we have to do? Um, it's a mixture of both. I think that it, it depends on how you use it, what you're using it for. Um, I code switch because at, you know, at my job, the client is always right. And it's like, okay, whatever you say, this is fine. Are we gonna do-? But when I hang up the phone, I'm like, yeah, whatever, fuck that. <laughs> 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 but uh, it, it's pretty much it. I think it's what you got to do. Um, it's it's part of giving customer service the white glove experience. So uh, the, the kind voice and the yes ma'ams and all of this stuff comes along with it. Um, where it becomes problematic is when you're using it um, to, the, to the detriment of your, your own kind. Um, and you're kind of just throwing away your own values and morals um, to and stepping on other people and thinking that, your the the code that you have switched to is actually who you are. So I I, it, I think it's got a mixture of both. There's like a thin line between um, doing it to I guess provide a certain service and do your job well, and doing it to crush somebody else and get ahead. So you mean to tell me you don't use your regular schmegular uh, Brooklyn accent? <laughs> Oh, well, Brooklyn. Whoa. That's I'm sorry, Bronx. Right? Oh, God. <laughs> Woo! Sorry about that. Sorry about that. I don't use it ever. No, I I use it. I've, I've used it at work, you know. I've used it at work functions. Um, <laughs> just not when I'm talking to the client. Um. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, we talked about code switching, a.k.a. white voice. Um. Oh, I don't want to skip this. So... Again, it's so difficult to get into the confusing plot of this movie. So uh, Cash, who uses the white voice to really excel at work, and he actually gets promoted to what's called a power caller. And it immediately puts him against his friends, against Detroit, his girlfriend. Um, She actually leaves him. But then towards the end of the movie, Detroit, Tessa Thompson's character, uses white voice in one of her performances. And this performance is, correct me if I'm wrong, she had people throwing water balloons filled with blood in them is that correct yeah it was that and like bullets bullets yeah it was it was very strange um but i think it was a callback to uh towards the beginning when cash was uh accepting the job at regal view uh stick to the script and because she said it like that's what she was doing she was up there basically sticking to the script um, so she was using her white voice and saying the same thing over and over again while people were pummeling her with these objects. Um, and it was kind of it was a bigger message behind that um, that performance. Um, but I also noticed that she was not only using her white voice during the performance. She was using it throughout the entire 
exhibit. Like you can see her speaking to um, potential buyers with her white voice. Um, so it, 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 that was kind of where I was just like, okay, girl, like you're all, you're against this white voice, but it's okay when you're trying to sell your art. Yeah. And, and she had a big problem with cash, basically selling people, uh, the worry free people, um, Mm -hmm. and using the white voice to do so. But like you said, she was fine using it to sell her art. Um, but we have to talk about probably one of the biggest themes in in this. And that is, I want to say it's slavery. Um, which it, yeah, it is like, I, I don't want to water it down. Yeah. So worry free, <laughs> worry free is basically this company. And then we find out early on in the movie that you come work for them. Uh, they pay your room, board, food, um, and you, you just work for them for life. It's a life contract. Um, over the course of this movie towards the end, cash finds out that they plan on turning people into these. This is, this is going to sound crazy than what it is. These horse like people because they're stronger. Uh, and they could be controlled better. Um, so this whole theme of slavery in this movie, I think, is one of the most powerful themes in this movie. What did you think about it? Um, I I thought it was like super intense. Like that was a plot twist that I was not expecting <laughs> at all. Um, because I, you know, I did see the, the whole the idea of worry free. You don't have to have any bills. Yeah, basically the three hots in a cot. Like, and uh, you're working for this like major company, um, but it it it's masked as like an opportunity to uh, be free from bills and everything, but it's at the expense of your own labor. Um, what I thought immediately was the what do they call it the equisigns or something the the horsemen. Um, Specifically, I believe they were only black people. So, yes. Um, yes. <laughs> so, so I, it's also that other message that, you know, people think that black people are stronger, but also easier to control. So, because uh, uh, what was his name? Steve Lift. He wanted to turn Cash into basically the leader or quote unquote leader of the horse people. Um, but at the same time, he's working for them. So it, it was almost like a, a double cross kind of thing. You where... wanted him to be the house nigga. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there it was. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought you had, you were still talking. Um, no. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, the, it it's a powerful theme. And it's one that if you get too focused on just watching the movie and it's in front of you, you may, I don't even know if you can miss it. Because they put it out there early on in the movie and uh one of the eco sapiens is is the name of the horse people uh was voiced by forrest whitaker uh aka he said his name was damaris before he got turned um so like this this whole the first time i saw the movie when that horse person popped out the bathroom i was like what the fuck (laughs) is going on like (laughs) <laughs> this movie just completely jumped the shark but that's like i said because the first time i went in i just went in to watch the movie once i went in that second time to actually break everything down it's actually like in in the search for success like cash turned into like the biggest i don't i don't even know the word that i want to use for like his own worst enemy and and right. and I, the, the the i don't I have a problem that they kind of say, or in a way, I think that there's an underlying message of there's almost no redemption for him. Um, mm-hmm. Because once he does get everything together and he helps the revolt against worry free and um, regal view, 
I mean, at the end of the day, he ends up back in his uncle's garage where he was before. Um, and he still ends up turning into one of these horse people. So it's like I, I have a problem with that underlying thing, but that just may be my view of how I'm looking at it. What What do you think about that? Do you think that they are telling a story that there's no redemption once you once you get to a certain point? I don't know. I just it it almost felt like, and it's disappointing, but it it's kind of like a harsh reality in a way. It's like you basically you have to sell yourself to get ahead, and that I feel like that was like the main message, and because he did not sell himself and he stuck to his morals and values, he just he's back in the garage and now he has he's back to having you know the same thing that he had before like not much of anything and and now he's a horse so it's like it is what it is bro like you didn't sell yourself now we're gonna throw you back in the trash and so i I feel that one of the last (laughs) the last themes um and if, if you have any more that I didn't think of, feel free. But capitalism, because in the course of this movie, Cash exposes the fact that they plan on turning people into into horse people. And once he releases this information, he he would crawl through shit, got the shit beat out of him uh, to just give to be able to, to show the footage that he had of people being tur- turned into horses. And once it's released, worries free stock rises. Everyone is just they they held them as being uh like at the forefront of genetic manipulation and stuff and it really nothing happens nothing comes from it um so the theme of capitalism what did you think about it did you pick up on that theme as well um actually i did not but i think that's a a super interesting point to think about um where it it almost seems like scandal cells or like i was very confused by the fact that like he's trying to expose these people and it's like but then they are making these great developments so uh it doesn't really matter um it it, it's another harsh reality of what we're going through today um so i it's like i don't really have words for it because you you don't want to accept that this is you know a thing but hey here it is (laughs) Uh, it's it's unfortunate. Yeah, it is. So, uh, anything left from the movie that you want to bring up or your thoughts on? I what, did want to bring something up. So, okay. um, aside from the code switching, I did pick up on another theme. Whereas, uh, in addition to code switching, um, it, it's interesting how you they they don't want you to be yourself or like you know use your regular voice you should use your white voice at all time except when they were in like a more relaxed environment and um your your natural self is kind of on display as a um form of entertainment so uh that scene where they're basically telling cash to like be black the the rapping scene completely missed it yeah go ahead so um, it that was very uncomfortable to watch. Um, I was just like, ooh, uh, that's annoying. Because um, the first thing they do is ask him if he's ever like seen anyone get shot or something like that. And, um, you know, tell us stories from the hood. And he's like, I don't really have any. Like, I grew up in the suburbs. <laughs> so um, I, and it brought me back to a personal time, too. Um, I once went to Australia and apparently Australians have this vision of black people in America that is unbelievable. Like they literally asked me if I saw anyone get shot before. 
Um, and I was just like, oh no, <laughs> like that's not cool. But um, aside from that, that when they they're doing the um, uh, when they basically tell him to rap for them, like, do you think that all black people can rap? No, that's not like that's not something that we all do. Um, and th- they're thoroughly entertained by him saying the word nigga over and over again. <laughs> Um, so it, it was super uncomfortable to watch, but it actually, in comparison, um, I don't know if you've ever seen this video before, but when Bobby Shmurda first came out, um, he was performing hot nigga in a room full of record execs standing on a table, like literally a room packed with white people. And it's just this one black kid just like rapping for their enjoyment. And it is the most uncomfortable thing to watch. You should probably go back and see it if you haven't seen it before. Um, but it, it's literally the same thing. Like they're just, I, I just want to watch someone be black for fun. But when you're working for me, you should turn on your white voice. Yeah, I've never seen that video, but I'm definitely going to go check it out when we get done recording. But yeah, it, it was it was extremely uncomfortable. Like the the whole nigga shit and the way that those people were going crazy. And, you know, we didn't mention um, at all Amari Hardwick, Hardwick's character um, no in which, yeah, no name in which he was, he was kind of like the exec of the, uh, the power callers at Regal view. Um, but that was, that was the one time I feel like they showed that he had a little emotion or a little, uh, absolutely. Just, yeah. A, a little reservedness about just what, what was going on because he looked very uncomfortable. And then the scene after that is him, coming in that's the first time we get to hear him with his regular voice and trying to tell cash to go downstairs and meet with uh lift's character but yeah that that's another one of the things and i say this all the time um and not all i don't want to say i never want to say all white people but that's where i start saying that if if white people were as acceptive of us as they were as of our culture Mm -hmm. she would be much better oh yes like they're all fine with our culture and us doing black like things but that's a, that's a podcast for another day because that's the topic that I'll start <laughs> going on a whole rant about. But yeah, that that was definitely one of the most uncomfortable scenes in the movie. No, that's all I had though as far as themes that I wanted to touch on. But all right, is there anything left with the movie at all that you want to touch on before? Sure. Um, I thought it was great. I think everyone should go out and see it. Um, but only if you're into movie like I like I said, it's it's only for people that are thinkers, honestly. Um, if you're not much of a thinker, you're probably not you're going to things are going to fly over your head and you're not going to like it at all. Like, you're just going to think that this is a stupid movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you, it's, it's a movie that you kind of have to go on and, and look at like a almost like a case study. Like you can't you almost just can't go in watching it just for enjoyment like it. And for better or worse, like I, I enjoy films like, like everything can't be a summer action flick blockbuster. Right turn your mind off and there's absolutely a spot for movies like this and you know i think this has cult classic written all over it. i think this is going to be one of those movies five years from now everyone not everyone but a lot more people talk about it maybe has a huge life on netflix or whatever but i, I really enjoyed the movie overall it's definitely um a very good satire film if anything absolutely. like to to explain it in one word satirical <laughs> so before we we're gonna go ahead in this sorry to bother you review but before we go and i didn't prep you for this um but i wanted to ask you the shit going on with trump and lebron like is this the like lebron has the time and energy it seems like where he's gonna keep going back and forth with trump what do you what do you think about lebron's trump comment comments and then basically trump's rebuttal of just saying lebron's stupid which i would 
completely expected that to be a Trump-like response. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what did you think about it? Oh, well, wait, can you just refresh me? Because I, I think I missed this. <laughs> I don't. So, oh, yeah, yeah, there's been a lot going on. So LeBron James, uh, with going around talking about his school, uh, made a comment on how Trump is using sports to divide people. Uh, whether it be, you know, with starting with the NFL kneeling thing and, you know, him him coming out and, and saying how sports is meant to bring people together. But Trump has used it over his campaign to really divide the nation because it is the one thing that almost everyone came together on. Like when you're a fan of a like I'm a Chicago Bulls fan, like when I'm in that stadium in the United Center, it's doesn't matter. Like the person next to me, if they're the Bulls fan, I don't think about where they're from. I don't think about their their social class, anything like that. We're just fans and we all enjoy it. And then LeBron mentioning that just I had never thought about it before, but it it did make sense for how Trump's used, especially the NFL. And then like I said, Trump has come out and basically called LeBron unintelligent. It hasn't really been anything <laughs> crazy from but he he used something LeBron misspoke on to say that LeBron's just completely not intelligent, which is just not true. But uh what yeah. So uh, what, what do you think about that hearing about it now? And like I said, I wanted to ask you this because I know you're one of the smartest people I know. So I love picking your brain. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's true um, as far as Trump using sports to divide people. Um, and unfortunately, that is the quickest way to get to an American's heart. <laughs> is to, is um, So I, I think it's, it's an extremely smart move. <laughs> on Trump's part um although I, I'm by no means a fan of Trump <laughs> but um I, I think he knows what he's doing because he's seeing that like you know what Americans love is sports and if I'm going to win Americans over I'm going to try and create some kind of conflict or divide to basically say it's either you get your sports of worry free <laughs> or um or you know this this protesting is is ruining what you guys love like um don't listen to them they're trying to screw up basically you know watching football and everything so i i don't know i i just feel like it's it's more of that it goes back to people just don't want to hear from uh an athlete unless they are doing athlete things uh, so there's the the shut up and dribble comment that was made towards LeBron before. Um, and even it's that's another theme. And that's a theme in sorry to bother you. Like, you know, your only entertainment. And then when it comes to serious shit, like just go back in the corner like you 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 don't need to talk. That's a very worry free mentality, isn't it? When you think about <laughs> it. But exactly. so. I wanted to read uh, Trump's exact uh, tweet to LeBron. Well, not to LeBron, but commenting on LeBron. He says, LeBron James was just interviewed by the dumbest man on television, Don Lemon. He made LeBron look smart, which isn't easy to do. I like Mike. So, like I said, a very Trump-like response. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I'm a Bulls fan. And it's funny that he mentions Michael Jordan. I I definitely think Michael Jordan is a better basketball player than LeBron. Uh, You can at me if you want to on that. But one thing that Michael Jordan didn't do, and I don't think any really athlete um, has had the social activism that LeBron does, like high-level athlete. Like LeBron's the best at the top of his game in in his sport. And, you know, I, I, for one, I've always applied my my thoughts on LeBron as a player aside, like the man I respect 
thoroughly and what he's been able to do for kids and uh and using his voice correctly um but yeah that that tweet from donald trump i just i just looked at it and i was like okay that's that's the best you got i like mike really i bet i bet he likes mike because mike's quiet mike doesn't <laughs> exactly mike just mike just did his thing like he he did his thing but uh yeah so i just i just wanted to pick your brain on that that's all oh thanks brain pick well mrs jones uh Tell the people where they can find you and listen to I'm Just Saying and Tea Time. You just, you know what? I'm a busy podcaster, but you are becoming a very busy podcaster yourself. Oh, stop it. <laughs> so um, you can find me at uh, One Lucky Lady that is on Twitter and Instagram. It's spelled very excessively. So that's <laughs> Uh, O-N-E-E-L-U-C-K-I-I-L-A-D-I-I or you can just find me uh, doing bi-weekly uh, I'm Just Saying podcast and that's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud and iHeartRadio and you can also hear my lovely voice along with my uh, two co-hosts Jess and Darla um, and we're doing Tea Time on the Breaks Radio so Listen to us every week. We we talk shit about celebrities. All right. That has been episode 61 of The Awakened Soul. Everyone knows where you can find me. You can find me at CEO Hayes. That's at CEO H-A-I-Z-E. You can also follow me. Follow us, I should say, at Awakened Soul Pod on Twitter. Um, Send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns. TheAwakenSoulPod at gmail.com and also go to our wonderful website that I'm in the middle of updating and that is TheAwakenSoulPod.com look forward to hearing and speaking and interacting with every single one of you guys This that's it that's it for this week I'll see you guys next week peace infamous up in this you know how we get down it's that Joho she feeling our staff we come through the spot real heavy on the waist so when they want to move we put them in their place infamous up in this you know how we get down it's that Joho she feeling our staff we come through the spot real heavy on the waist so when they want to move Yo, we put them in their place I was by the hood raised by the wolves trained by the pain adopted by gorillas got a tank for a car ice for arm got Tattoos for skin and stars for bras. Got a building for a crib, Manhattan for a backyard. Skyscraper neighbors that fuck me when they man gone. Kings of New York, I'm one of the few of those. Difficulties to come, it's gonna be funerals. You need a quiet spot in the shade for a grave. I get paid, cause I got murder for a 16. And I'm so much rich, I got a condo for a piggy bank. So much stash, I just laugh at your face. Throw a stack on David, cause I'm a pyro. Maniac for carrots with the rose gold. I was told by the OGs like my pops If you can't whip their ass, the niggas get shot Infamous up in this, you know how we get down It's that Joe Ho, she feeling our staff We come through the spot real heavy on the